What's up, everybody? Welcome in to a finally wearing our own merchandise edition of SSPN, Ethan. Yes, sir. You look really dapper in that shirt and hat, dude. Thank you. I have to say the same. They may not be able to see it, Ethan. They might be able to see a little bit of mine, but Ethan's got the sweatshirt on. I got a a, a long sleeve t-shirt. He got a rope hat. I got a trucker hat, as you can see. Um, so we'll try to rep this more often. Um, and you know, there's some when when you're getting your own merch out there for the first time, Ethan, it may not be the um, I'm not saying it's not high quality, but it's not like gucci or prada or anything but at the same time i'm pretty i'm pretty satisfied with the shirt and this hat here ethan i got this is a nice fruit of the loom shirt i think Mm. that's gildan is your uh is your sweatshirt um and and i still like the hat i I like the the quality of it and everything so uh i was very satisfied with it i was i was happy with it likewise i'm honestly a bad person to ask about hats i don't i don't wear hats at all i don't know what's a good hat what's a bad hat but it fits (laughs) on my head and it has our logo on it (laughs) <laughs> which makes it uh, a great hat in my book. There you go. That's 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 all you gotta uh, that's all you gotta say there, Ethan. Um, but today, Ethan, we are fifty games into the season officially, um, and you know technically that's nine games past the midway point of the season. But with our schedules, the Spurs schedules, and having a Monday off because we've had a couple Mondays in a row, I believe we've had a game. Um, even if not just with the spacing in between games, this is the biggest gap we've had, obviously, because the rodeo road trip is coming up and we'll get to that later in the episode too. But this was a great point kind of in a little bit of a stopping point, a little bit after halfway through the season that we could go through the roster, you know, kind of evaluate our guys, give our thoughts on some positives, some negatives, and kind of project, um, you know, the rest of the season, but also kind of the future whenever it comes to a lot of these young guys development. Absolutely. Heck yeah. I want to appreciate some of y'all in the comments here. We've got Aaliyah. She says, I was finally on time to watch a live stream actually live. I appreciate your thoughts on the Spurs. Great work, gentlemen. We appreciate that. And then blah, blah, blah. He's always in the comments giving his takes on things. So we appreciate that. He says, all I wish for the second part of the year is more minutes for Barlow and, uh, and Wesley and then less minutes to Zach and Doug. So we'll get into all of that, Ethan. And I figured we could just kind of start with the starting lineup, kind of just start with point guard and then go through it. And then we'll do the, th- the same thing with the bench rotation. So you, you ready to start off with Trey Jones? I'm ready. You want me to go first, or do you want to take him? Well, here, we're going to bring this up, and I am going to bring up his stats real quick, just so we can have a little bit mm. of a different look here um, and have something to go off of. So here is Trey Jones, obviously, was coming off the bench to start the season, and we saw how that went, um, and then... After we made the lineup change, move him back into the starting lineup, move Jeremy to the four. I think both of those guys' games um, definitely improved. Um, but I'll dish it to you to start, Ethan. Just obviously, there, there was the beginning of the season, which is why I threw in that note. Um, but then at the same time, we've seen a lot of positives from him kind of since he's been moved back to the starting lineup. So um, yeah. if you want to jump into strengths first or, or you know, yeah. weaknesses or just all of it, you know, you give your thoughts on Trey so far. I think he's had a great start to the season. Um, Strengths, our best playmaker, our really only true natural point guard. Um, Plays very well next to Wimbanyama, was probably the first guy to throw him consistent lobs. I think that's becoming 
contagious with the rest of the team, Devin Vassell primarily, but he's really like the root um, in that area of, of the court. Um, and then just he's able to make the right play always, whether that be taking an open floater or, you know, taking it all the way to the basket, pushing the pace and getting easy layups in transition. Um, he really is minimal when it comes to mistakes. And in terms of weaknesses, I mean, he struggled a little bit at the very beginning of the year coming off the bench. We've talked about that at length because he was really the only ball handler in that bench unit to start the season. And Malachi Branham did not start as hot as we had hoped he would. So a lot of that responsibility was on Trey. So every statistical category kind of took a little bit of a dip for him. Um, but we've seen all of that turn around once he was inserted into the starting lineup with the big guns. Um, and then, of course, just three-point shooting. It's 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 been on an upward tick. He's at 28.4% on the season so far. I think that's improved since moving into the starting lineup as well, um, but still not a great percentage. You'd hope that your, your starting point guard could hit at least mid-30s, so that obviously needs to improve. Yeah, I mean, I obviously echo a lot of what you said, but but just to give my thoughts, you know, facilitation, like you said, he's our best playmaker. Um, he sets guys up the best. I feel like, you know, one of the strengths of this team just in our youthfulness is our transition game. Yeah. And when he is at the head of the table playing that point guard position, you know, kind of the, the chess master, if you will, um, in transition, he is by far, you know, the, the best architect i guess you could say if, if, if that word usage makes sense yeah. um he gets guys in their run lanes he's able to find guys um you know we've obviously seen like you mentioned at the beginning you know the emphasis that he has put on wemby you know him getting the ball to wemby came most naturally to him and mm -hmm. i think once we moved him into the starting lineup you know we've seen that kind of um trickle down to the rest of the team you know you've seen other guys emphasizing it more um, kind of since he's really taken the reins in that starting position, you know, when it comes to his weaknesses, I don't know if necessarily they're ever going to, I don't know. How do I put this? I hate to say it this way. I don't know if these things are necessarily, I don't know if they're already capped or if maybe he can improve on them. Um, but sometimes defensively against, there's just a, a certain, you know, Trey has a certain ceiling. And he's not going to be able to go one-on-one -on -one in, in isolation against most all-star guards. You know, those guys are going to get him. That's not to say that he's not a serviceable player or a valuable player on this team or still a very solid NBA player. I mean, if you yeah. look at his brother, who's all of those things as well, he's somebody who also gets taken advantage of, you know, against all-star guards. There's other all-star guards who aren't the greatest defensively who also get taken advantage of. Um, but if you do have to point out weaknesses, that would be one thing. Really, defense and shooting are the things that that stand out to me whenever it comes to, you know, things that Trey can improve on moving forward in his career. Um, mm -hmm. But the other thing that I would say that just kind of happens from time to time that kind of goes in hand with his playmaking, I would say, is sometimes there will just be errant passes, you know, um, I don't know if it's maybe sometimes it's not even completely his fault. Um, and, and this was definitely much more prevalent when he was on the bench, but I still see it from time to time. There will just be a turnover here and there. But as much as I'm criticizing that, Ethan, you know, as I'm talking about it, um, every, you know, even even all star level players do that from time to time. So really, the more I'm thinking about it when I'm mentioning the the, the turnover here and there, um, 
that was really something that stood out more on the bench than than the starting unit. But yeah, obviously his facilitation, I would say his finishing ability at the rim, um, you know, not necessarily in his floaters, but I've seen a lot of layups through contact or just, you know, uh, highly contested layups at the rim where he's been able to contort himself and use the acrobat badge, if you will, to get around guys and, and finish at the rim. Um, and I mean, really, it's kind of when I think about the rest of his offensive game, like kind of in the mid range, it, it's really the same story that we've been talking about for a couple of years here, Ethan, just consistency on the floater is the only thing that that I would criticize. But still, um, overall, I, uh, I would say a very solid season for Trey. And if we didn't have him on the roster, um, you know, we're we're 10 and 40 right now. You know, we might be closer down to the Pistons. Uh, if we didn't have him on the team this year, Ethan, whenever it comes to wins. Yeah. I mean, for real, off the bench, just to that stats, we're basically eight points per game, five assists, and a, a, a one and a half turnovers. But as a starter, he's averaging basically 13, seven, and only one turnover a game. Um, so everything, and then 37% from three as a starter, which I did not realize. So li- limited. Um, the sample size, obviously, but uh, in 16 games, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, for sure. And just to touch on some of the comments that are in here, Aaliyah says, where do I get that hat? Well, here is a QR code. If you want to check out some of our merch, you can scan the QR code on your phone to support the show, but you can also go to the link in our bio and the description below of today's episode to go to our spread shop and get whatever gear you would like. We, we appreciate it. It is not a must, but if you would like to and feel compelled, we would mm. greatly appreciate it. Um, but also, she says that Trey Jones is super important to this team. We a whole mess without him, LOL. That's definitely mm. what we saw earlier in the season. Um, and then blah, blah, blah says, Trey's best improvement has been his ability to do less. He often went for bad shots before like floaters, but now he does less and takes shots at the rim or wide open threes and focuses on passing. And I think that kind of ties into another theme that we've been talking about since the lineup change, Ethan. And that's Mm -hmm. that when Trey has more, you know, talent around him, you know, that just helps his game so much more. He's able to facilitate more. He's not passing off to Malachi, who sometimes doesn't know when to cut, you know, or or maybe, you know, isn't as connected. Um, that's another man, term there, Ethan, that we've talked about throughout this season. Um, that the starting lineup feels a lot more connected with yeah. with Trey in there. And he definitely has um what's the word? He he is he is not forced things as much as maybe you could say he had to try to do on the bench. And you could honestly say he's been the catalyst for everyone else figuring each other out too. Like him just being there has allowed Devin and Keldon, Jeremy and Wemby to kind of grow into themselves and playing with each other as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think that wraps up my thoughts on Trey Jones, Ethan. Who knew Trey Jones would have such a long <laughs> midseason breakdown? It took like 10 minutes, but he's been there you go. And that's the other thing. I mean, oh man, we're gonna we're gonna try to get through this uh, as fast as possible. But you know, a lot of these guys, I'm thinking about it. That took ten minutes. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll see how long the rest of these take. Um, but let's move on to the man who is right next to him, Ethan, and that is Devin Vassell, um, one of our leading scorers on the team. He's been our leading scorer in our past five games, as you can see here. Um, and is up, you know, uh, just not 
a giant increase from last year when you look at him statistically, Ethan. But the other thing that is key is, well, his overall field field goal percentage has gone up. Um, You could say the 2% decrease for three-point shooting, but um, the the key here is that now he's having to play next to Victor Wembenyama, as well as having to play with Jeremy Sohan um, and and all of these guys really in this type of role, um, if that makes sense. Because last year, that would have been his first time kind of being like one of the main shot takers on the team. Um, And obviously he only played 38 games because of the knee injury last season and the procedure that he had done on it. Um, But yeah, I'm sorry. I thought I had the stats up here already realized that when I got back. Um, But I'll just dish it to you, Ethan, to start um, on Devin's season so far. I really think it's been overwhelmingly positive. Last year, you mentioned he kind of had a weird season. He only played what? 40 something odd games in and out of the lineup in and out of the starting rotation with a mismatch of different starters next to him. So this year he's actually played 45 games this far into the year, um, getting used to playing with Victor, getting used to playing with Jeremy, like you said, but stats down a little bit, but strengths continue to be strengths for Devin. He's a walking bucket. Um, He's a three point sniper on occasion can get hot and cold. I think early in the season he was a little cold, but recently he's been really cooking from beyond the arc. Um, So he's kind of finding his rhythm and finding his confidence. Something that he continually talks about in post-game conferences is just finding his confidence and being confident in himself to take big shots. I know people were upset about his last second shot, and maybe he could have passed it to Wemby, but that's a tough pass, and and, and you kind of want your shooting guard to be in those situations, the guy taking some shots like that. It's up for debate. It's up for debate. I'm, I'm fine with him taking the shot. His confidence is up. Um, I think his strength finishing at the rim has improved. I think he's trying to actively get himself to the line. And facilitating-wise, it was a struggle early, but he's finally finding a chemistry with Victor Wimbanyama, making some great passes to him. Their pick-and-roll game has been very deadly, whether it be him with the, as the ball handler or him as the pick setter. Um, they've kind of developed a two-man game the past couple of weeks. It's been very exciting to watch. And then defensively, he's arguably one of our best perimeter defenders. And it may be Jeremy, but it's him, Jeremy, and Vic as our three best perimeter defenders. So um, that's obviously a strength for his, something that he came into the draft as a strength. Now, things he can improve on, I would say just consistency, um, continuing to improve as a playmaker and as a ball handler. Um and, and just continuing to be aggressive, finishing strong at the rim. He still, on occasion, will miss some easy bunnies. Um, so if he can continue to get in the gym, get stronger, and develop his chemistry with everybody, um, who knows what the what the limit is for Devin Lassell. Yeah, and when I was touching on the stats, you could say being down a little bit, even though they're basically practically identical. The whole yeah. reason that I brought that up was, I may have not articulated it the best, but not only are you adding Victor, but as you can see, he's already played if I can do some quick maths, he's already played seven more games than he did last season. Um, so when you factor in, and a lot of times when he came in and played last year, Keldon was out or Jeremy was out. So this is really the first time playing with everybody. So I think when you factor in, you add Victor, that's going to take shots away from him, obviously. When last year, really, he was probably the number one shot taker on the team when he played. Um, and then on top of that, he's also really playing uh, you know, in this type of role 
with guys like Keldon, Jeremy, and Trey um, for the first time really throughout this season. Um, but when it comes to my takes on Devin, Ethan, obviously, and I'll probably say this for every single time we do this, just because we do have similar thoughts. I echo a lot of the stuff that you said. Um, it, man, really, to me, it, it just comes down to consistency for Devin right now. I mean, I, I'm not really I feel like Devin's play style is very applicable um, and can fit into a lot of different styles, you know, and. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, Ethan, but down the line, if we do have to make personnel changes, which I think is going to be inevitable, I don't think every single rookie that we draft is is going to be, you know, on the team, you know, when we're making uh, a playoff race, you know what I mean? Obviously, that's that's far in advance. So there's, you know, I'm talking like three, four years out right now. Um, I'm losing my train of thought, Ethan. Remind me where I was at. Saying some guys are inevitably going to be gone, but Devin's play style is so versatile. Yes, thank you. I was just saying, moving forward, he's going to be somebody that I think is going to be be able to fit into whatever we decide to do in you know how we build around Wemby. Um, so you know you could say the the three point percentage is down a little bit, but then you could also say that the overall field goal percentage is also up by the same amount. So that really offsets itself. Um, I think we've been able to see, you know, he's become not only did we see, you know, it wasn't even really flashes of it because we still got to see it for 38 games. We through the 45 games that we've seen so far, Ethan, it's confirmed that he is somebody who can go get a bucket off the dribble. He's somebody, you know, arguably right now, you know, I know Wemby can do incredible things, but just as of right now, when it comes to polishedness, Ethan, I think he's probably our best isolation scorer. Um, And on top of that, he, he's somebody who can play on or off the ball and he's improving as a defender, um, yeah. you know, and, and, but really what it comes down to for me, and as you can see up to a steal a game, he's had a steal a game technically the past couple years, but um, really it just comes down to consistency for me with him moving forward offensively and defensively um, whenever it comes to him improving. Mm, I think my comparison for him when we had drafted him, Jude, was Chris Middleton. Now that we have Victor Wembanyama, who is often compared to Giannis Antetokounmpo, I think that comp for him and his play style next to Wemby, that's really becoming – I'm kind of a prophet. That's becoming very, very true uh, right before our very eyes. So. That's, that's a really good comparison, Ethan, there. I think you deserve a head pat. And also the two-man game that you mentioned. You're, you're seeing that develop so much um, with him and Wemby. And, and, and like you mentioned, him as a screener. That was something that I really kind of brought up. I've seen him even do that with other guys. Um, yep. So just the fact that he's finding other ways to impact the game, you know, even if it's just little things here or there, um, those are things that, that you got to be happy about. Now, the other thing I just want to, as we're right here, Ethan, you know, because we're talking very good about Trey and now we're talking good about Devin. We do acknowledge we're 10 and 40. Um, (laughs) But the other thing that we acknowledge with that is that, you know, the league for one, I mean, I feel like the bottom of the league, there's like the biggest gap between the bottom of teams and then, you know, the maybe 15, 16 win teams, I guess. Well, that's, that's like Portland is who I'm thinking of. You get what I'm saying. There is the, this, this year, I don't know how to, necessarily put it into words but what i'm trying to say is the gap between the bottom of the league and then the play-in teams it feels like is is the biggest that we've seen since the play-in has been around for sure 
I mean, the league is extremely competitive right now. Probably the top 12 seeds, both conferences have a right to be in the play in tournament. And that's, yeah. I mean, honestly, playoffs. Like, there's some play in teams that are like, I thought that they would be guaranteed playoff spots, but it's, it's just, you know, it's cutthroat out there, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know where the Kings are at right now, but they're a team that was like top three in the league last year, and they're not even having necessarily a bad season. It's just like you've seen the Thunder take jumps. You've seen uh, you, you've seen the Rockets take jumps. Um, you know, yeah. So they're at five right now. I remember earlier they were at seven. So that's that's good for them. But still, like that's an example of a team just falling off a little bit, and they didn't even really lose anything, if I'm remembering. Uh, yeah everything correctly um but the whole reason i bring that up is we're just looking at this from a development perspective we understand that the spurs are on the struggle bus when it comes to the win-loss record in the nba so if we're sitting here talking about oh these are some good things that we've seen from these guys we really feel like it's developments on the right track you know we're not saying that necessarily translates to winning in the current moment you know we're looking at this from a very long-term perspective Devin Vassell just signed a five-year extension. What are the things we're seeing right now and how are they translatable and how can they be developed over the next five years, you know, and so he can become, you know, an all-star level player, really. I mean, because that's the type of contract that we gave him. Irene, he's already at 18 points. He's at least going to be a 20-point-per-game scorer um, Mm -hmm. or close to it, I feel like, um, for the rest of his career. For sure. And for the delusional fans out there that want some hate in our show... um, (laughs) The biggest negative that we probably won't address because this is a player-by-player breakdown is that the Spurs are a young team with zero chemistry offensively or defensively, and that's why we've only won 10 games. But why is that, Jude? We're the youngest team in the league, even still. And if you want to say OKC is also young, just look at their history the past couple years. The context. They have an MVP candidate in Shea Gilgis who's been there for several years. Like, do some homework before you throw that stat out there. We're, we're, we're really just getting into this rebuild thing. Yeah. Last year, the Thunder were in the play-in. In the past two seasons prior, they had less than 30 wins and at least 50 losses. We're kind of in year one of that right now. I know last year we were 22 and 60, but that was in order to get the centerpiece that is Victor. And obviously, you can go back to the beginning of the season and myself and, and you thought we were going to be a lot better than we were right now. Um, But we've also been humbled by a lot of the stuff that we mentioned earlier with the way that the league is this year, but also just some reminders of what it's like when you bring in a generational talent, the NBA rebuilding process, and then to, I mean, this goes into Victor, which we'll get into later, but Pop mentioned this recently. Like Victor's also, not only are we adjusting to playing with Victor, but then Victor's adjusting to playing the schedule And then on top of that, like we already mentioned earlier with Devin, he only played 38 games with the guys last year. And then even when Keldon played, there were some Jeremy injuries. We don't need to rehash all of that. But we have Mm -hmm. been reminded that really this year is year one with these guys for a multitude of reasons. Well said, Mr. Jude. Well said. Just to get to some comments here before we end, blah, blah, blah says, I do want to see Devin improve on defense more. That's an area where I feel like he can take a leap as he has the physical skills. I I agree there um, for sure. And then just to address this too, um, blah, blah, blah says, I'm not saying Devin shouldn't have passed, but if you know Devin, he wants that shot too. And he played a great game. He could have hit that shot. Alejandro Morales says, last shot was a tough call. It needed to be a touch pass. The second... Um, the defender turned around, the pass would have been picked or deflected. 
and he believes that the shot was the best outcome. There was a lot of noise out there, man, on Twitter from from people who are very well respected in the Spurs community. And it mm. really kind of surprised me, man. Um, That's a tough pass. Even well, if you make that pass, that is a very difficult entry pass. Moving left, you got two defenders on your face and a help defender coming from the corner. Maybe, maybe Wemby can make a miraculous lob catch, but that's a really tough pass with your momentum going the opposite direction. Right? Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Devin had 28. Yeah, that's also true. And he's it's a our good- best. He's our best three-point shooter right now, too. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying he's the best player on the team, but like, <laughs> as of right now, he's the best three-point shooter on the team, and he had the hot hand in the game. And it's like, in the grand scheme of things, it's a great thing that we competed with the maybe not a great you don't want a great for a loss but in this in the context of this season competing with the pelicans is pretty good man now that if you want to criticize the the cleveland performance on saturday i'm i'm all ears i get that that was that was ugly but the new orleans game like yes that's a tough shot you want to win the game and when you have a seven foot four generational star like i understand where people are coming from but i i'm not i don't think that Devin is a selfish Wemby hater because he took that shot. I think he wears 24 and Kobe is his idol for a reason. And he basically had 30 and he had a a three to win the game. So he took it. And then he said he would take it every time because he's that type of player. (laughs) I I don't know why people are mad about that, but I guess if every player at every moment doesn't, say that Wemby is the best and they need to pass to him at every moment, Ethan, it's a problem with some people. It's ridiculous, dude. I mean, how many great, great <laughs> relational centers get last shots? Like, that's also just like a point. Like, if I'm fine with Wemby shooting the last shot, but give him the rock. Like, don't... Never mind, never mind. <laughs> a lot of the stuff that y'all already said in the comments, uh, we agree with as well. Um, and just want to get to some other comments here. Nick was in here. He's an SSPN OG. He says, been keeping up with y'all on Spotify when I can't catch the lives. We truly appreciate that, Nick. And then DA Gaming says, we could easily be 20-plus win right now if we knew how to win close games. Right. Very young players. I mean, think of all the single-digit games that, that, yeah. we, that we've lost. I mean, the, the ones that come to my mind just right off rip. I mean, really, you could even include the Orlando game a little bit if you wanted to recently um, with the way that we kind of if you want to say, fumbled the end of, of that comeback there. But the Bucks, um, the previous Cavs game, and then obviously the, the Pelicans games are just recent ones that come to mind. And I'm forgetting others that, that have also happened this season. We have lost a lot of late games in crunch time. Wizards. And that's because it's the first time this group is going through that experience, Ethan. Yeah. What a crazy thought. Some people just don't have very many thoughts, Jim. <laughs> we will try not to... Uh, uh subtweet uh on this pot <laughs> i don't know if you get what i'm saying subtweet any any more too much um everybody's entitled to their opinions but there are just some ethan that i see that frustrate me but it's all good it's a part of the gig any final thoughts on devin before we move on robin he's the robin yes and also uh I'm just I'm so glad we signed him to that extension. He's 23 years old right now, Ethan. I think he'll be 24 when that contract kicks in. We're going to have him from when he's 24 to 29. Think about that. Perfect. Great great locked up contract there. Now I'm trying to get to the rest of the roster. Forgetting where I'm at here. 
we will go to number three in the starting lineup, Ethan, who plays the three. Uh, and I was about to do Keldon, but mm. then I remembered, not that I forgot Champagny was starting, but, you know, just kind of in when we talk about the future of the team and guys who have big roles, that's kind of just who I think of. And that's where he started to begin, begin the season. But we got to go with Julian. Because he's been in the starting lineup at the three, Ethan. Uh, I don't think this this breakdown will be ten minutes. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> you like to go first, or shall I? You you can go for it. I think the comparison of Julian Champagne to specifically 2012 for all the haters out there. 2012, Danny Green is very accurate. Just a guy who can fill the need and space the floor and play solid defense in that starting lineup and allow a better scorer like Keldon Johnson to come off the bench and be a spark plug. Um, he makes minimal mistakes. He's shooting 37% from three as a starter, um, averaging seven points a game, and, and can play solid defense. We've seen him play solid defense against good players before, like Jason Tatum in the Boston Celtics game. Of course, Jason Tatum's an all-star, blah, blah, blah. But even still, things he can improve on, um, ball handling, um, confidence, just minimizing mistakes even more so. Um, but I think just being able to put the ball on the floor and make a play for someone else would make him a lot better of a player. Yeah. Um, I don't really, <laughs> I wish I had more to break down on Julian, but it's, Julian really um, has been, he's been great for us in, in the lineup change in moving Keldon back down to the bench. Um, he's been huge in just being a floor spacer and, and making the offense between the starters less jumbled yes. obviously he's not going to do too much he's not a star or anything but that's kind of the point of having him out there and that's what opens up the offense as i just alluded to um his spacing um as well as his defensive effort i'm not going to say that it's perfect but he's always giving effort and we have seen some some steals and stuff like that from him at times this game uh this this season um, I've there there are individual possessions, Ethan, where I see him make great defensive plays. There are also individual possessions where I see him get beat off the dribble. Um, so, I, man, it, it, Julian. I mean, this is another thing. Let's remind ourselves here, Ethan. As I'm sitting here thinking about Julian Champagne, I'm I'm like thinking of being highly critical and stuff. He's another 22 year old in his first true season as a rookie. Um, yep. After we got him from the Delaware Blue Coats um last season with with Charles Bassey um but yeah I mean he's he's very similar to Danny Green there will be games where there was one game where he hit I can't I think it was the Atlanta game when we lost and had a huge comeback he didn't he like went over three in the first half or something around there maybe he didn't even take a shot and then exactly you have the five up because he hit five threes in the third quarter and that's that's kind of what you see from Champagne it's like he's either on fire or you you wonder where he is, and that's why we made uh, the Danny Green comparison. But I will say, for the most part, overall, um, even when his shot's not hitting, he's not doing anything detrimental to the team. You know no. what I mean? He's one less mouth to feed. And here's my favorite Champagne stat. When he gets three-plus days of rest coming into that next game, he's shooting 46% free. <laughs> so he's about to go off on Wednesday, is what I'm hearing, too. <laughs> Where'd you get that from? ESPN. I'm looking at his splits. They have so many. Oh, there you go. You know? That's so. so funny. There you go. Hey, that's a preview. That's a preview. We're in the middle of a break here. 
but he also shoots 12% from three on Wednesdays. So, <laughs> oh, dang it. That's our next game. <laughs> He's at three plus. Three I like these stats that you're bringing up here. That's great. <laughs> thanks, thanks. But he shoots 50% from three on Thursdays. Okay. That's enough of those. That's enough. <laughs> okay. Uh, any, any final thoughts on, on Julian? No, nah, man. Consistency and then uh, dribbling the basketball is all I ask. Yeah, and and I'll, the last thing I'll add, I'll talk about his contract too. Another dude on a on a four year, two point five mil stat, uh, two point five mil contract a year. So I mean, very very uh, a high value contract for the Spurs is what I would say. Agreed. Agreed. All righty, and that brings us to a man who was not playing this position to start the season. But he is now back to the fore, and that is 20-year-old Jeremy Sohan, Ethan. And the reason that I start with 20-year-old is because there was something that I sent you recently, and I realized it when I was looking at my fantasy team roster, and that was the fact that Jeremy Sohan, as of right now, is actually younger than the number three pick in last year's draft, Brandon Miller. Um, And... I don't know if he's obviously he's older than Wemby. I think he's older than Scoot too. Um, but that was just that was just something when I heard that or when I saw that, that like also reminded me of just, I mean, Jeremy's youth, because that's pretty crazy to think about that that he's younger than Brandon Miller. And then on top of that, he's already played a season as well. He's a sophomore. Yeah. Um, do you want me to go ahead and jump right into it? From yes, there? sir. All right. So that's a really interesting point because we, we often forget his age. Um, so I'm glad that you sent me that that stat there. He's only 20 years old. And what was he the ninth overall pick or the 11th? Ninth. Ninth overall pick. So we expect the world from our a lottery pick, right? It's just natural. Um, but when we drafted him, he was extremely raw. Like he really was just a, a really solid, versatile, strong defender with solid – point guard skills i guess like as a playmaker but really nothing else i just use his athleticism to score easy baskets so for jeremy sohan to now average 11 points per game and about six or seven rebounds four assists start the season as a point guard um to me he's really had a strong season if you if you if you really look away from the fact that he was thrust into a difficult position at point guard made some mistakes had some really tough moments had some great moments too um but he's been a terrific scorer for us, especially at the power forward position. He's a great cutter. He's great in open space. He's improved tremendously as a three-point shooter. Uh, what's his exact stat? 35% from three this season. That's great. I'll take that. You see and the jump right there, Ethan? Sorry to interrupt you. You're good. What, what, what was the exact jump? We'll just look. It's right in front. Do you have it on the screen or you have a different one up? I do, but it's really small because I'm on No, you're good. You're good. It's 24.6%. And now he's up to 35%. And he's also taking a half a three more a game. So he's taking more threes and his percentage has jumped up by almost 11 points or 11, 11%. Yeah. I mean, his free throw percentage goes from 69 to 77. Um, basically shooting the same from the field. Um, but I think you can see improvements as a ball handler. I think you can see improvements as, as a, in, in his footwork in the post. Um, and he's gradually improved. And his chemistry with Victor Wembanyama, I think they have a really nice two-man game. 
Um, and there's a definite difference in his just the look of his body and his strength. If you look at him last year, he was still pretty skinny, uh, but this year he's put on some muscle. Um, so I, I've been very pleased with Jeremy Sohan's performance thus far and things to improve on. I mean, they're kind of the same things. I mean, just continue to get better as a ball handler, uh, continue to widen your bag in terms of being a scorer, uh, work on consistency in the low block. And, and as a shooter, just continue to work on that stuff. Um, and that, I mean, that's pretty much it. Continue chemistry, but that's pretty much everybody, right? Chemistry. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I think of Jeremy, obviously you think about the beginning of the season, of course, and I was really optimistic on that. I thought there was some potential there for sure. I think we learned as we saw the beginning of the season that that is not necessarily Jeremy's best spot. Um, but I think with the playmaking flashes that we saw last year, as much as a bunch of people are going to disagree with this, um, I, I still I'm not mad at it. I get why they threw it out there. Let's see if we can we can start him. Obviously, at, at that point. We were still thinking that that Wemby was going to play the five or excuse me, the four as well. Um, and and, you know, at that point, we kind of felt like we've we've learned that Wemby one can play physically with a lot of the centers that I mean, at the same time, <laughs> Joel Embiid still did what Joel Embiid did. And that was kind of what I was thinking about going into the season that I talked about in that uh, Sixers post game as well as some of kind of my concerns. But at the same time, I mean, we've seen him block Giannis. We've seen him go toe-to-toe with AD. Um, and not to get too much into Victor here, because I know we're about to. Um, but that was kind of that's that's what we learned with the part of the with the front court. And then we also learned, obviously, with how we saw the beginning of the season go with Jeremy, that while he does have a lot of playmaking skills, and we still see him out there sometimes taking the ball up the floor with Trey Jones on the court in this starting lineup, Ethan. Um, now, obviously, that's usually on a fast break, you know, where Jeremy gets the rebound and then just pushes it up the floor. Um, but I don't think that he's as good at that. And I don't think that his playmaking, um, like you see, mm-hmm. uh, uh, almost, you know, almost two assists here. Well, no, not two assists. It's like, 1.2 um but still almost from from two and a half to almost four assists um I don't think th- some of that has to do with the beginning of the season and him just playing point guard but I also think that his dribble got tighter um his vision is better um and regardless of how ugly it looked and overall for the team whether it was a good thing or not which we obviously realized it was a negative um whenever it came to trying to get wins and just having progression and looking competent on offense um, I still think that him playing that point guard role at the beginning of the season did positive things for his career. And I know a lot of people may call that crazy and think that that's stupid, but that's just my personal opinion. We're looking at the little things here for development wise, you know, long term. And while there were a lot of struggles in that, I think there's going to be a lot of mental fortitude that he gained from that for the rest of his career. And we still see that, you know, from time to time that he has his struggles there. But once again, he's 20 years old. <laughs> he's younger than the number three pick from last year's draft, for example. Right. Um, and like I said, I, I, I saw, I think there were a lot of positives that, that came out of that for sure. And then when it just comes to this season and the things that we've seen him do well, I think since we've made that lineup change, his offense, um, has, has opened up a lot. I think a lot of that has to do with Keldon being on the bench now as well, because both of them were kind of cutting to the rim now that, you know, Champagne's in the starting lineup and there's less mouths to feed. Like you mentioned, um, we see a lot of the things that we saw from him offensively last year 
we've been seeing those since he's been moved into the starting lineup. Um, I love his chemistry in the front court, uh, or not necessarily chemistry. They're still working on that. Um, but I love the front court pairing of him and Victor together moving forward defensively. The other thing that that has continued to happen this year since we've took it, taken him out of the point guard position, guess what he still does, Ethan? He still guards the primary ball handler. And while there are times where he does get got because he's 20-year-old Jeremy Sohan, there are a lot of times where you will see him force people to pass off um, and 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 really having him guard the primary ball handler in a lot of these situations is huge for us because if we go back to Trey, which we were talking about earlier, um, that is one of his deficiencies is sometimes he can just, I hate to say this, I'd get cooked too. Let me say that. I get cooked a lot worse than Trey would, um, but sometimes Trey does just get cooked by some of these all-star guards. So having Jeremy out there and being able to slow those guys down and and take the load off of Trey defensively um, when it comes to guarding you know really good perimeter players, that's just an example uh, of Jeremy's versatility. And then when it comes to to improvements, you know, um, even with and you know we're being nitpicky here, even with the giant increase in shooting, which we love to see, you still see some <laughs> some air balls here and there and and stuff like that. Um, uh, but with with the improvement that I've seen. I have no doubt in my mind that he will continue to get better at that, but just to talk about things that he can improve on. And then kind of like I, I hinted at a little bit earlier with as much as I think that the point guard experiment is going to help him mentally in the long run. I think right now as a 20 year old, sometimes Jeremy will just get a little bit too much in his own head. And that's why, you know, you'll see some of those games that that I mentioned in, in some of our past recent streams, Ethan, where you just have two points. I think we saw another one pretty recently um in mm-hmm. either the Pelicans or the Cavs game I can't remember exactly and then there were there were some there and I think sometimes when he gets off to a rough start um he's not able to bounce back like he started 0 for 5 in that most recent game where he had two points where if he starts out strong y- you might see him go for 31 and 13 like he did against the the Trailblazers fairly recently um but once again really when you think about this Ethan if we're going to dumb it down for lack of a better term it's it's the inconsistency of a 20 year old nba player but there's a lot of positive things that we've seen from jeremy especially since we've moved him in uh to the starting lineup mm. well said well said but you know what's crazy last point on jeremy i'm looking no, at go his ahead. monthly stats and i want to look at november and then january because november he was ingrained as that point guard mm-hmm. and january we had already transitioned him over to power forward at that point. So in November, he averaged 12, 5, and 4, shooting 47% from the field, 46% from three, 85% from the free throw line, with two uh, two and a half turnovers a game. Now let's move him over to power forward, middle of January. He played two more games, keep that in mind, but averaged 13 to only one more point, seven rebounds, that's about two more rebounds, three assists, one less assist. Um, on... 46% from the field, 37% from three. So actually a worse three-point percentage. Um, and 85%, again, from free throw lines. It's the same percentage from there. So statistically, he's pretty much the same player, which is a different role. Mm-hmm. So everyone that was said he was a crappy player then and is now suddenly saying he's a great player now, he's the same player. It's just a positional change. So yeah. 
No, that's facts. You, 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 you couldn't have said it better myself. And I, I remembered some other stuff I wanted to talk about before we move on. And I'll get to some comments here because we have those as well. Um, but sometimes it's, it's not as much. We saw it much more when he was starting. Um, but still, sometimes he'll just go, he'll drive to the low block and then he'll be on his pivot foot and he'll just stop and like not know what to do. And sometimes it turns into a, a, a turnaround jumper or a nice little, you know, a, a, a pump fake and then an up and under layup or something like that. Um, but that is one thing that that I continue to see um, just every once in a while. But that's another thing where I feel like a lot of this is just like IQ stuff that it's just going to take some time to to get all of this down like when we mentioned the thunder earlier and what they had to go through over the past three seasons to get to where they're at now um i I think it's just going to take some time and some maturity and just you know being of like a legal drinking age in the united states um (laughs) i i I threw that in because i i remember there was the story about him asking pop for some wine because you know over in europe and in england i think he was already able to have some yeah. Um, but the whole reason I bring that up is he's still 20 years old. So like some of these things, they're just going to come with youth, if that makes sense. But, um, you know, that, like I said, there are all these little things that we could criticize about Jeremy, but really overall in the grand scheme of things, um, he, he's a super solid contributor. We've been seeing his rebounding the past couple games, Ethan. Um, and the last thing that I'll mention, this is another thing that ties into Devin. Look, I mean, he's still, he only played 56 games last year. He's already at 50. It's been consistent throughout the season. Um, I'm going to be interested at the end of the year, Ethan, to see like the full differences, um, yeah. you know, statistically. Not that that's the end all be all because the eye test matters a lot. And the other thing that's key about these stats, too, is this is with adding Victor. So that's the other thing you've got to keep in mind with, with a lot of these as well. But really, Ethan, coming into the year, probably the things that we wanted to see the most from Jeremy were improvements in his playmaking, you know, his ball handling and then his shooting. And I think we've seen those so far. And lastly, just to be funny. No, go ahead. Three plus days rest. He's averaging 17 points <laughs> on 55% from three. We need all of these, Ethan, because these they apply to this next game coming up. What, but what's the stats on Wednesdays? That's the real question. 11 points a game on 32. Mm. Three. So a rough Wednesday. Man, all of these, all of these rest days are getting offset by the Wednesday stat. Maybe he'll just play normal then. <laughs> okay, getting into some of the other comments here. Nick says, "Love what Jeremy has been doing. He's expanded upon his short mid range creation game. He started to develop toward the end of last season, and obviously, the low volume shooting improvement is great." Uh, General Eli says. The only real complaint for Jeremy outside of inconsistency is I wish he would be more assertive. There's times where he differs five feet away from the rim on a mismatch, LOL. And that's that's kind of what I was just alluding to with him stopping in the low block. It's like he'll run up there, you know, like he's going to go make a play, which he does do, you know, from time to time. But then he's like, oh, that's Walker Kessler or somebody, <laughs> you know what I mean? And what? then he's like, I got to pass off. And then he's just like, kind of like looking for a pass and the rotations are a little bit off and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. He, he can sometimes get turnover happy when he does stuff like that, but that has significantly decreased since moving to the four. For sure. But yeah. Any, any final thoughts on, uh, on Jeremy? No, sir. I think we covered it. All right. Now we get to, uh, 
the big Wembenyama enchilada. Mm. <laughs> I think that's I think that's a name of a group chat I'm in. So before before I take credit for that, um, <laughs> let me let me give it to them. I'm here on the schedule. I'm trying to jump to the rodeo road trip a little bit too fast here. Um, but let's talk about the franchise centerpiece, the future of the league, um, the thing that is making this ten and forty season be okay, Ethan. Uh, and obviously, there's a lot of other guys that that you know we, we talked about some of the other improvements we've seen. But look at that—is that Dwayne Johnson on like a? Do you see this ad? Yeah. <laughs> okay, if y'all are on podcast form, there's like Dwayne Johnson and like a slug. I don't even know how to describe this. And and now I'm seeing some of the other ads on here. We're gonna go ahead and scroll down here in a second um, and get to Victor's stats. But um, yeah, Ethan. Besides the 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 fun ads that we just got on the screen. Um, give me your thoughts on, on Victor Wembenyama's season so far. I mean, what, what can you say that's bad? Honestly, um, he's the franchise. He's averaging 20 points, 10 boards, three assists, three blocks and a steal leading the league in blocks shooting 46% from the field, only 30% from three, but I think that's actually an improvement from what he was shooting in, in the French league. Yes. Please. So he obviously was working on that in the gym. He might be getting a little bit better of shot um, looks as well, but he, he's been everything that's been advertised to. He's an unbelievable scorer. He could score from three different locations, mid-range, post, whatever it is. He's got an unbelievable handle. Um, defensively, he might be the greatest defensive prospect that we've ever seen, like, Honestly, like he might be the greatest prospect of all time, but like just to like temper it down to like right, like defensively, he is unbelievable. I saw a stat the other day that he's already matched, if not exceeded, Rudy Gobert's block and steal totals from when he won his first DPOY um, as a rookie. So things he can improve on, maybe a little bit tighter of a handle, and just understanding his teammates a little bit better. And then that's kind of it. Get stronger, but but even then he's doing pretty pretty damn well. Like other than Joel Embiid, no one's really gone and killed him. Like you can't say that he's been weak. And what was the cost? Now looking back on it, yo, shout out to Joel. I kind of feel bad about him for that. Um, or yeah. bad for him with with the meniscus thing. That's that's real tough. I, I think there might be a chance he's still back, maybe for the playoffs. Um, maybe I'm completely wrong on that. I've got some sort of notification that said I think that that might be the case. But anyway, sorry to interrupt you. No, you're good. I mean, I'm 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 honestly losing my train of thought because he he does everything so well, and he's exactly what we hoped he would be at that number one pick leading this team and he's really gotten better as a playmaker as the season's progressed as well he's made some unbelievable passes both out of the post and off the dribble um in full court he's a nightmare to stop just throw it up ahead he's gonna get a layup or a dunk on the other end uh, a lob threat a physical presence and just his will to win games i know he's yeah. only got 10 but he is so unbelievably competitive and you can just see it oozing out of him um, the exact personality that you want as the cornerstone of your franchise. Yeah. I mean, if you listen to any interviews about him and how, like, I mean, this, this kid's, well, now he's officially 20. Happy birthday, Wemby. Um, I'm behind on that. I can't believe that. I think we may have already talked about that because I'm realizing that was in January. Um, but 
when you listen to some of the stuff he says, it's like he's a philosopher or something. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. What I was about to say, I was going to say he's a 19-year-old, but now I see he's 20. But still, even when he was a 19-year-old, he's like going to bed at nine, like reading before bed. Like, that sounds like my mom. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like he's a, he's a OG. He's, but he is a, um, he is very grounded. That, mm. that is, that is how I would describe it whenever it comes to his personality. And then of course on the court, which is what we're here for. I don't really have too much to criticize or add because everything that I could say has already been said by myself and other people. Um, so really, I mean, the, the way that he plays in the f- fourth quarter, how you see that turn up, that's something that I've really noticed this season. Um, and then whenever it comes to, like, you know, things to improve on, the only thing I can really think of is, is his balance, and that kind of ties in with strength. You know, sometimes he'll he'll maybe get a ball, you know, um, kind of at the elbow or something and try to dribble around somebody, and he'll just kind of, like, fall down a little bit, like a baby giraffe or gazelle or something. Mm. <laughs> um and then the other thing that I would say is kind of what our man Gorilla Gorilla says here. Sometimes he tries to thread the needle when the needle doesn't even exist, LOL. Um, and I think that just kind of ties into the fact that he's the type of player he is, the generational prospect he is, his mentality, um, and also, you know, the vision that he has at his height. You know, not everybody, you know, can do the things that he does. And I think sometimes he tries to make plays that... um you know, other guys just aren't able, aren't even thinking of at the time or aren't just able to do, but that's not necessarily his fault. He's just in his crazy, uh, generational body. Um, and you know, and and he wants to win and, and he tries to make plays, you know, and I'm not going to fault him for that. This is rookie Victor Wembenyama. He's averaging 20 and 10. He's leading the league in blocks, my most conservative take of all time, Ethan, is me being like, well, you know, I, th- I think he can get to two or three blocks and like being like, I don't know if I just said something too crazy. Obviously, we're seeing it. it if it's at three right now, Ethan leading the league, I mean, imagine what it's going to be like in like three to four years, because we've already seen multiple five to six block games. And then, as you mentioned, also his playmaking over the past couple of games. And that kind of ties into the Devin thing as well. That same game, you know, yes, he only had 16, but that's because he also had 10 rebounds and seven assists. Um, His court vision at his height. Like I'm thinking about how that's going to progress long-term. And it's, it's just scary, man. I, I I wish I had more, like we could dive into the intricacies of Victor and I could talk about, Oh, he's, he has these insane step backs, you know, um, driving to the rim, the lobs. I mean, I could talk about all of that, but you guys already know that. You see it every time you turn it on. There's a reason why the Spurs have more national TV games than they've had in like the past three seasons combined this year. And yeah. it's because this dude is the main event attraction. Well said, Jude. The savior. Yeah. I wish I wish I had more to add or dive into, but when it comes to him, there's just... I think... Defense, obviously, he's not going to win Defensive Player of the Year for many reasons. One, he's the, a rookie. He's on a losing team, blah, blah, blah. Other guys are also deserving. But I think he deserves to be on an all-defensive team this year. He's leading I, the league in blocks, dude. It's a travesty. Like, I'm trying to think, honestly, who else? Who else? Center-wise. I mean, they're probably going to throw in Rudy. 
probably Rudy. Is he over JJJ? I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so this year too. Yeah. Over Anthony Davis? I, I think so. Yeah. It'll be interesting. He's going to be on a, de- even if he's second team, I think he's going to be on a defensive team. Like you can't lead the league in blocks as a rookie and do what he's doing and not at least get on one of those. Gorilla, take, take Chet's name out of your comment right now. Don't even put his name next to Rudy and AD. Come on now. Come on now. Get out of here, Gorilla. Chet is solid. I gotta. I will give him some credit. Chet, Chet, it's but but I don't think that Chet is is ahead of him when it comes to defensive team conversation. But I understand that he's in the conversation. That's where I'm trying to give Gorilla credit. I'm trying to get you to get toxic one of these days. <laughs> you can't do it. You can't do it. Anyways, okay, Nick, I put this comment up from Nick earlier because I think this is a good point. He says, I mean, sometimes the needle is there. His passing execution just isn't all the way there yet. And that ties in to kind of what we were talking about of him still being as much as he is at a different place than a lot of these other guys we're talking about. Still a 20 year old rookie coming from the European game having to adjust. And when some of those passes start hitting, I get what he's saying. Like when we get the chemistry down and some of those other guys learn him more. Sometimes those full court passes that he has, like eventually in two to three years, they will start hitting and and they're going to look incredible. So I don't want to completely dismiss that. And the last thing we got to mention on Wemby here, Ethan, dude, I mean, he's already, he he's what, 44 games we saw, right? Let me pull this back up again. 44 40. games this season. That is more than he played all of last season, not just the regular season, but also the playoffs. So the fact that he's doing this, adjusting, and you hear that knock? Yep, I'm also doing it. Staying healthy throughout all this as well. That was another thing. I didn't think he was going to be playing the way that he's playing. Um, obviously, yeah, you've had a little bit of the the minutes restriction. And when I say playing the way he's playing, playing the amount of games he's playing. Yeah. That's what I meant to say. Um, at the consistency he has, and now that he's playing back-to-backs too, I, I have been very happy with how he's been able to translate, you know, from a very different schedule to the NBA on top of having summer league in preseason. Yeah, we were both very conservative in our preseason prediction as to how many games he would play. I can't remember the exact number, but we both 50 60 is what I said. Yeah, I don't think we envisioned 44 at the All Star break. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah. I mean, he'll probably at least, he'll get close to 70, I feel like at least, you know, barring any injuries, like we already, we already knocked on wood. <laughs> He's getting 65 plus because Victor Wimbanyama, knock on wood, he wants that rookie of the year. Oh yeah. You know, he does. All righty. Well, we'll try to get through these a little bit quicker, Ethan. There's somebody that we do have to talk about that I think is going to take some time just because he's a significant contributor to the team. And everybody else, I think, will be a little bit shorter. But that is, of course, Keldon Johnson, the new sixth man of the San Antonio Spurs over the past couple weeks. Um, You know, one of the older players on the team, one of the more experienced players on the team, one of the last remnants of the DeJounte DeRozan era, Ethan. (laughs) Shout out to Keldon Johnson back in the day having to play the four in the bubble, just, just going ham. Cause that's how we were introduced to him. Obviously a very different role and a very different play style now. Mm-hmm. Um, but give me your thoughts on Keldon so far this season, Ethan. Man, I feel terribly, terribly bad for Kelton Johnson. He came into the league as a shooting guard, played power forward, 
Uh, last year, he was tasked with being the primary facilitator for ball handler, everything, because everybody was hurt. So we averaged 22 a game. And this season, he was at first starting, then thrust into the bench in a completely new role and is asked to play completely differently next to Victor Wimpanyama, next to everybody who's finally not injured. So he's just had probably the biggest learning curve start to finish out of anybody on the team. Um, but doesn't complain. He's still getting 17 points a game, six rebounds, three assists on 45% shooting. Um, he's a bowling ball. He's a guy that's a great cutter. He's going to finish strong at the rim every single time, no matter what. Um, he, he he is a streaky shooter, but he still shoots 34% from three and at times is known to get very, very hot. Um, so you can't even say that's a negative. Uh, he has improved as a playmaker. He has really improved as a defender. I don't think we give him enough credit in that category. He's not perfect, but mm-hmm. the previous, he was really just a guy that you could get around at any time. Yeah. Uh, he didn't screens this year he is sitting in that chair and he is taking up the challenge now he's not perfect because of his physical deficiencies he's only six five not super long not the quickest lateral movement guy um but he is giving it 110 percent effort so thank you Kelton johnson for doing that and being the leader of the team that he has been this season um weaknesses that you could still improve on i mean you could say defense you can say making the extra pass at times but for me it's simply just having a mid-range game, finding a pull-up jump shot, adding something to his game yeah. that makes him a little less two-dimensional. Because right now he's really just, I'm barreling at the rim or I'm taking a three. Um, and we've seen glimpses of it, but it's not a strength right now. Um, if he improved on that, I think he would make the perfect six-man. You know what I'm kind of noticing here is we're pulling up the stats here too, Ethan. Obviously last year, you know, and still he only played 63 games last year. That's another thing I'm realizing as we're talking about this. I think I feel like a bad podcast host at the moment right now, Ethan, because that's something, you know, when we've talked about Jeremy missing games, we talked about Devin missing games. I didn't realize that that he missed 19 games last season, too. Um, but what I was going to bring up before that, Ethan, is that Obviously, you know, you can say they're a little bit decrease in some stats, like scoring specifically, but that's because the role is completely different this year, not just in what he was doing in the starting lineup and then the six-man role later, um, but once again, as I've mentioned with all of these guys, with the obvious addition of Victor Wembenyama, and really, if you want to think about it, uh, Devin Vassell as well, um, with him playing consistently this year. But look at his stats in the season before last year. And it's very similar to kind of what they are this season. Um, mm-hmm. And that's because why he was still playing off DeJounte and Derek in those years. Um, mm-hmm. I think we did have the uh, DeRozan trade before that season. And then we moved um, we moved Derek midseason and then DeJounte the offseason after. But the whole reason I bring that up, I mean, I think was, was Rudy Gay still on the team then? Or had we moved him by then? He was on the team. See, that's... It, he was playing kind of behind guys. He might, I think Rudy might have been gone by then, actually. But Derek and DeJounte, regardless, um, were still there. And and it's it's kind of very similar to that. Um, you know, percentage has gone up a little bit. He also has been taking less threes as well. Um, has been taking less shots overall. Um, once again, that ties into to Devin and Wemby. Um but really, kind of when I look at Keldon this season, I think about I think about this the lineup switch. 
And I think that his offense has opened up a lot more since moving to the bench. But I think also everything that you hit on, you know, I'd still like to see more. It kind of ties in to consistency, as we've mentioned with everybody. We'll kind of see that from Kel. There'll be, we've seen a couple, you know, single digit games from Keldon from time to time. And, and he is the highest paid player on the team right now. So you would like to see, you know, at least, you know, closer, at least around 20 points, you know, per game whenever it comes to his role. But I also understand there's a lot of shots to go around. So maybe 16 is really a solid amount, you know, for him being a six man. But also, like you said, his mid-range game and and just not, you know, adding three level scoring and, and having like a bag and something that you can go to in the mid-range game. Um, because like you said, it really is, it, it kind of does feel like with Keldon, he's either taken a wide open three or even sometimes contested threes, or he's just, you know, uh, putting his head down, Derek Henry running to the rim, um, you know, trying to get a bucket. Um, but like you said too, man, I, I'm not, I don't think Keldon's hit his ceiling yet. I know he's 24. I know he's held to a higher standard than other guys on this team. And there are definitely some things this season that, that I would like to see you know, improve moving forward. And I think he still has work to do, but I think there's a reason we gave him the contract he did. And I think, or we did. And I think also the fluctuation of this season, whenever it comes to his role, and then also just learning to play alongside Wemby um, has affected a lot. Um, Now, obviously there, like I said, there are going to be guys that down the line that I think we do eventually move, but whether that's Keldon or not, I think he is someone who has not unlocked his full potential yet. And like you kind of mentioned with the flashes earlier, that there there are things that Keldon does that remind you, you know, and in games that he has that remind you why we gave him the contract he did. And then also to just show once he really puts everything together, I think he has a higher potential of a higher ceiling of what we're seeing from him right now. Mm. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. Well, Ethan, I think we're going to have to wrap this one up because I just saw your text that you sent me <laughs> and that your computer is about to die. So I don't want to uh, I don't want that to happen while we're on air. So what we can do, I think, is um, do you want to go through the rodeo road trip real quick since we had that? And then maybe we can save a lot of the role players for for a different episode. Maybe we can even do it next live, like after we're done with the game flow or something. Let's do that. Let's do that. Cool. I know. I know. We had we had Victor in the comments here asking about about Blake Wesley. I want to talk about my boy Dom Beasy because he he actually does have uh, enough yeah. rotation minutes to throw him into this. Um, so I definitely want to talk about those guys in Malachi. But just to help Ethan out here, we're gonna go ahead and just go to the rodeo road trip and and wrap this up real quick. So I'm just going to read the games off, Ethan, and then I'll dish it to you for kind of your overall thoughts, how many games we can potentially win, and then we'll call this a day. All right, let's do it. Miami, we have this Wednesday. Then we have Thursday, so a little Florida trip to start. Then we go up to the East Coast. We play Brooklyn. We go across the border to Canada. We come back down to Texas to play the Mavericks. Then we go to the West Coast to play Sacramento, Los Angeles, and Utah. And then we finish it off up north in mini before we get home at the end of this month, Ethan. So rodeo road trip, February road trip, whatever you want to call it. Um, the Spurs are going to be on the road and there, there are some solid teams 
um, that we're going to have to play during this stretch, Ethan. It's it's a tough one looking at it. I'm going to go with the record of three and six. Okay. Win three games. I think it'll be against Brooklyn. I think we can catch Dallas because that's a rivalry game. They'll probably rest a couple players. I think we can catch them sleeping. And then I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Lakers. Because is this the first time Victor Wimbanyama's played against the Lakers at the Cable Center? I don't think so. I think we I'm pretty sure we played earlier this year because I remember seeing like a, a whole a whole like thing about it. They were like Wimby's first time in Los Angeles, but maybe that was the preseason, Ethan, because I'm I'm seeing here these two games against LA. They're is- they're, bo- they're both at home. And same same with the Clippers here. Oh, I'm thinking of the Clippers game. That's what I'm thinking of. My bad. Clippers has no um, clout. We're not talking about the Clippers. The Lakers, Even it was the Staples Center, though, so I wasn't going crazy. <laughs> we're going crazy. It's in the Staples Center, but it's a different environment. When it is. And the King, LeBron James, say what you will, he is still the face of the league. So I think Wemby goes crazy in Los Angeles and is able to pull us to a victory. Uh, but those are the only three that I'm going to I'm gonna bet on. Hey, he's 1-0 against LeBron. He's trying to go 2-0. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I hope that happens, Ethan. Um, what I see when I look at this, I know Toronto has made some moves and, they, and they've got a solid team, um, but the games that stick out to me as having potentially a chance to win, and we did play Orlando tough last time, but the games that stick out to me are, uh, are, are Utah and Toronto. Those are the two games that I see as potentially winning. But I say that, and I feel like the Raptors have actually blown us out like every time we've played them recently. So I may have to retract that, um, but maybe like a Brooklyn or an Orlando, like I was saying. That's what I keep thinking. Every time I see Toronto, I'm like, oh, it could be an easy win. But like they always kick our ass, bro. Every (laughs) Like RJ Barrett's been playing really well too. Like he's probably going to drop 40. Quickly solid. Yeah, yeah, they got a lot of quick guard. And they they still got size. They still got my boy JP, Jakob Pertl. So we took them to overtime. I know last year I was I was actually at the game where they blew us out last year. Um, I guess I'm I'm forgetting another one where they went crazy. That was just Scotty Barnes just going insane and winning that in overtime. Then now now that I'm remembering that actually, um, but last year there was a home game in like March or or April around then. Um, actually, it wouldn't be April, uh, but like maybe March February that I went to. And, and they just absolutely killed us. So I don't know. We did take them to overtime, but if 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 Scotty Barnes just like looks like Steph Curry again, I don't have much confidence. <laughs> OG Ananobi anymore, who also killed us that night, if you remember. That is true. But like uh, you said, RJ's playing well, and they have quickly to add to that. So, and to point out your the Utah game that you brought up, last time we lost by twelve, but they didn't have Walker Kessler. So I'm interested to see that matchup because that's like a he's a yeah. great young center, solid defense, like the opposite of Victor Wimbanyama. He can't dribble, you know, with his right hand, let alone his left hand, but he's physical and he's got a lot of size. So we'll see how that works out. And that's a, it'll be our first game against Brooklyn, too. I think that's that's another one that we could maybe have a chance there. And oh, and yeah. hey, that's that's the Barclays Center, too. So I know that's not like Madison Square Garden, but it's Wimby in New York. So maybe he can you know, kind of have a little bit of that that L.A. vibe, like you were saying. Did you hear what I said? What? Lonnie Walker revenge game. 
You know what I did just realize? This will be his first return to uh they have the draft in the Barclays Center, right? Or am I yeah. crazy? Yeah, that's what I was. So that'll be his first return to the place where he got drafted since. So maybe there's some some sentimentalism there. Fingers crossed. <laughs> we will hope. Uh, I think two to three games is is a solid, uh, you know, realistic expectation for this rodeo road trip. Unfortunately, I mean, you just got like Miami, you know, a playoff team in the East. Orlando, as much as we played them tough, they're they're better than us. Toronto. Yep. We'll see, but they're also just better than us, for being honest. Dallas, obviously. Sacramento, obviously. L.A., I, I do really get where you're coming from there. I think he's going to play up in that game, and we'll play up in that game too, but definitely not a guaranteed win. Utah, we didn't have Walker Kessler last time. We still lost, and then, you know, it'll be interesting to see how Jeremy handles, like, Laurie Markinen in that game. I can see some some rough goes happening there. Um, you know, we still got a guard colin sexton on the perimeter in that game as well and then of course minnesota's near the top of the west it's just it is a rough road trip in the words of gorilla gorilla here but we'll be there every step of the way starting wednesday against (laughs) miami heat yes we will are you good for that post game i think so yeah yeah i'm good cool 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 Well, there you go, people. That is when we will see you is next Wednesday against the Heat. And we'll be sure to do the rest of the rotation players kind of break down like Blake Wesley, Malachi Branham, Zach Collins, Dom Barlow, people like that after we get through the game flow of that episode. So, yes, you you see Ethan repping. You you see me repping. If you would like to rep and get some SSPN gear and support the show, be sure to go to sspn.myspreadshop.com. You can click the, or not click, but you can scan the QR code. You can click the link in the description below, or you can go to our channel description and you can, did I take something away from the, you there, Ethan? No, I was just playing with <laughs> I know you're being a mime. It was good. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you can, you can click the link in our description as well. There's a couple different places where you can go find our merch. So we appreciate y'all. Thanks for hanging out with us today and if you enjoyed all the content don't forget to hit that like and that subscribe button below if you want to stay updated with the show go follow us on twitter or x at sspn on yt we appreciate y'all thanks for hanging out we'll catch y'all later